Good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in this world, you are doing fantastic. Sending you all of my love, joy, peace, hope, energy, courage, and good vibes through the airwaves. We've got another fantastic episode for you today. We have my friend on, Seth Leaf Prezanski. We're talking about his new book, The Fight to Enlight, Why Initiation Through the Heart is the Only Way to Win. This is a fantastic episode. Seth has a really interesting, fascinating, um, captivating story. And we go into a lot of topics in this episode. We talk about your ability to choose how you feel, what Seth learned from being in prison. We talk about the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, the media lens of fear and how we can deal with everything going on in our world. We talk about the story of Immaculate Illa. Ella Begaza. I don't know how to pronounce her name uh, properly, but it's a really amazing story. We talk about um, the notes. The show notes are massive here, so I'm just going to read through a few. Um, getting into heart, brain coherence, um, commit, committing with conviction to your goals, the power of decision, invoking the will. We talk about why you need to take radical self-responsibility and why materialism is never enough, learning to live from a childlike wonder, and so many other topics. This is a full episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please share on your Facebook, on Instagram. Tag me at Matt Belair. Um, Tag Seth. Let us know where you're listening. Um, You can also leave a review in iTunes. Thank you guys who have done for those of you who have done that. It's amazing. Really appreciate those reviews. They help immensely. You can also support the show on Patreon. Just go to Matt Belair or sorry, patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. And uh, that is really helpful as well. And for those of you who want to learn a step-by-step master system for overcoming self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit and designing and living the life of your dreams, check out the absolutely phenomenal Soul Compass course that is free when you join the academy. Uh, The course has 21 lessons that distills years of research and the wisdom of over 350 guests in spirituality, consciousness, and personal development so you can apply the techniques quickly and easily to your life to achieve results. Uh, The Academy also has exclusive content from past guests, guided meditations, brainwave entrainment. There's a ton of stuff over there. Would love for you to become a member. So check that out. You can go to mapbelair.com, click on the Academy. Also sign up for the email list because I will be doing some workshops soon. We have one coming up this Saturday with Mark England. Would love to see you there. So make sure you're on the email list so you can get the details to that exclusive invite. And that wraps it up. Let's come in. um, oh, Oh, nope, it doesn't. The best thing that you can do if you want to support this show is do three acts of kindness today wherever you are in the world you can listen to somebody get somebody's name you can pay it forward you can write somebody that you know a kind note you can do anything positive in the world Uh, consider doing three kind acts today it's the best way to support the content of this show so now let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in this world just stop what you're doing Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, courage, empowerment, connection, and ready to take on this amazing episode with my friend, Seth Leaf Prezanski. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host. Matt Belair. 
Today's guest was born into this world questioning and interpreting the big questions in life. He is the author of the new book, The Fight to Enlighten. Initiation through the heart is the only way to win. A successful entrepreneur, performing musician, and co-founder of Living Nuts Organic Foods and Tourmaline Springs. He has spent countless hours in meditation since he was a child, including a forced and extended meditation retreat in prison. Throughout all of his trials and tribulations, he's made a firm resolution to replace all of his undesirable personality traits and with healthy and virtuous thoughts, behaviors, and actions. He inspires people to think luminous, original thoughts, exemplifies how to build a measurable life force, and helps people understand how to develop sustained superconsciousness. Welcome to the show, my friend, Seth Leaf Prozanski. Oh, thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate you having me back. Yeah, man. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to have you back. I remember our first podcast. I was super excited about it. We were going down all the rabbit holes of, uh, you know, every, every rabbit hole you could. And it's interesting because I always see you, you're always so positive, you know, and I, and I envy that because I'm not, you know, I, I'm like, if any character I am, I'm like the angry Buddha or the angry monk, you know, and I like go around and I'm, I'm mostly okay. But then I, I seem to have these like blips of like, frustration or anger or whatever so I'm definitely still learning but every time I see you you're always just like happy and and positive and just radiating that so it's great to have you on the show and your book looks amazing I love the cover you're already getting amazing press and feedback your story is super intense I love your frame of the 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 uh, prison retreat um, so why don't we why don't we just go into a little bit about your story uh, a little bit of background for people because I think our last podcast was a over a year ago, maybe two. So why don't you give us a little background on yourself and we'll, we'll dive right in. Thank you, Matt. I, again, I appreciate you having me back. And yes, the, it's, it's interesting though, just to like real quick on what you said, having this, you know, our personality traits, like feeling angry or upset or whatever, like we all feel that everybody feels whatever they feel to a degree, but to the degree that we want to change that really defines who we have the possibility to be. And that's always what has interested me more than anything, because it's easy to take what the world gives us, right? It's easy to just be a part of what we're told and to believe all these stories that we hear, but to find out who you really are and what you really are, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where I get excited because, and that's why I'm always smiling and I'm happy. People think it's, it's funny. A lot of people will be like, oh, you're just bypassing. You're just bypassing. They say that, but then they find out what I've been through and they're like, oh shit, you're not. I'm like, exactly, that's not bypassing. The reason why I feel elevated feelings, you know, the reason why I say and do kind things for others is because I have been to the bowels of hell and back. And I know what it's like to suffer immeasurably. And it was in all of the suffering that I basically made a decision. I chose to not suffer as a result of people or the environment or things around me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to rise above this. There's some miraculous energy that is causing my heart to beat. It's allowing thoughts to arise in my mind. There's something happening that is beyond all the conditioning of who I think I am. And I'm gonna perceive that. I'm gonna make a habit out of perceiving that, period. 
until that starts perceiving reality through me. And over time, it's, it's not necessarily easy at first, but it's simple, though it does get easier. And then before you know it, you're just relaxed. You feel good because you feel everything. And this, this life is perceiving reality through you. And that's a whole other way of being. And anybody can do it, you know? I've just got a lot of hours in, that's it. Well, you, you said a lot there and, and you really started off with a fantastic sentence and I'd love for you to repeat it if you could remember it. It's something like uh, when your will to change is, is stronger than the environment or the frustration you're feeling. Do you remember how you phrased that? And if, if... Yeah, it's like, I know for me to change, okay, in the midst of suffering, right? Like when we're really just going through it or even when we're, not, even we're just upset and not frustrated or whatever, I realized that, and sorry, I'm, I'm not going to say it exactly the way because I don't remember. Everything just comes as a stream of thought, you know? <laughs> but I remembered coming to a place in my life where I was like, oh my God, like these feelings, being upset, this isn't really who I have the potential to be. And most of that is the past, you know? The way we conduct ourselves is based upon the way we've always conducted ourselves. The body... Mm memorizes all of our past thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, and actions, and then it just acts them out on autopilot, you know? And so I had to make a decision. I was like, you know what? I am going to make a decision to rise above the conditioning of my body, of my mind, of all of it. And no person, no place, no time, no thing is going to determine how I feel internally. I'm going to choose how I feel and not when I get a new car or a new relationship or a new house or any, like, no, I am going to generate feelings of wholeness and wellness and love and appreciation for reality from inside of myself, regardless if I'm inside of a prison, regardless if the human species lives in a prison planet and now they're finally waking up to realize that. Regardless of anybody, anything, any place, any time, I am choosing to generate elevated emotions from within myself, and I'm going to sustain those emotions all day, all night, and I'm going to create a world like that, and I'm going to try to get as many other people to realize they can do that too, and we're going to change the world together because that's what we do. Well, I love it, man. And I'm, I got a lot of stuff to say. The first one is I know that there's people out there being like, you hippie. And so I understand the concepts and I like it. And I think that, you know, you, what you're sharing now reminds me of Viktor Frankl's quote, and I love it. And he was in the concentration camps and he said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And that's one of the most powerful quotes I've ever heard. And as you kind of uh, were moving forward, just describing uh, making the decision to rise above the conditioning, that is exactly what Dr. Joe Dispenza's retreats are about. He just talks about um, habit and addiction is when the mind becomes the body. You're like, I don't want to smoke, but the body is smoking. I don't want to drink, but I'm drinking. So the, the body is gonna is becoming the mind. And what he'll suggest is that your will to change, similar to how you put it, and, and I might even prefer how you put it, but um, it ha- that will has to be stronger than the memory of the past. 
And I like to give just a very simple example for people to understand this because I, I'm, I'm on, I know what you're saying. And I know if people are like this hippie, you know what I mean? At least if they're familiar with my show, yeah. they're going to be totally fine with it. You know, but yeah. other people are like, what is this guy talking about? Hey, bring all the judgments, bring all the, <laughs> let's break them down together. That's yeah. It. Yeah. But I know it's possible because I've had enough people overcome cancer, overcome all these different things. And it's through a simple process. It, it seems metaphysical, but what I really understood in, in recently interviewing uh, Alex uh, Sakaris, he is skeptical uh, podcast top 10. And we had a really great conversation. He's really skeptical. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm spiritually dense. Like it's hard for me to get over there, but I'm understanding it more. And he goes, you know, I was robotic. I didn't think there was any meaning to life. This is just how I naturally am. So I'm learning to come over to this other side, which to me is more natural. We're, we're biological beings, we're uh, electromagnetic beings, we're connected to nature, we have feelings. And in our society, that's really um, ironed out of us, you know, a lot of the time. So we have to kind of learn this, learn this idea. And so a simple example of this is, you know, I like the physical body. You're 400 pounds, you're overweight, you have no energy everything hurts your life sucks what you need to do is you need to be like i need to make new choices so so i'm going to ask you how do you do it how do you stay so positive so that's going to be my question and if you just think about the person who's super overweight you got to start making another choice so let's just say you start walking every day no matter what and that 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 choice is like i'm going to change myself as far outweighing every day Kentucky Fried Chicken, no physical activity, hating everything, just watching TV. So you walk every day and you start drinking a lot of water. Well, if you just committed to walking every single day, you know, as much as you could, you start with 30 minutes, then you get yourself to an hour a day and you just chug water and you do all the other crappy stuff too, you would transform yourself in three months and six months and eight months. And so that's, I believe what you're talking about. And so whatever your transformation is, is up to you because you're the only one deciding where, what you want to transform into beautifully said and look a lot of people it, it all it is is really is the power of habits like you're choosing to build habits of rising above your conditioning you know and people can't if people say it doesn't work it's because they're not applying it you know i overcame severe drug addiction like severe like bring you to your knees on the floor almost dead type of drug addiction what what drug was it heroin Damn. severely addicted to heroin you know that's this the, is that's isn't that the hardest out. one to come off it was for me i mean you know i was doing heroin crystal meth cocaine all of them together but heroin was like the real thing this was 22 years ago you know this is a long time ago that i did it but i just was so addicted to it and when i wouldn't do it the feelings of pain that you go through through withdrawal are so severe they're so intense that you just are like oh my god i can't face that but i remember being like i'm gonna kick this i'm gonna stop it cold turkey i'm never gonna do it again but what do i need to do to enable me to be able to do that and it was like well i have to love my life and i have to love my life and life more than the drug or the addiction to it or the suffering that it creates and I was like, okay, well, that shouldn't be too hard because I know I do love life and my own life more than I love this drug. But that's where the rubber meets the road because then all of a sudden you have to, like, you know that, but then your body's like, no, but I want this. I want the drug. And this can be applied to anything in life. And so you have to keep bringing yourself back to that place where 
no, I'm choosing to love or I'm choosing to feel happy or I'm choosing to until you override the old programs, the old conditioning, the old habits. And that's why I said at first, it's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. But with the application of that, it gets easier over time because you start feeling so good that you're like, why would I choose to not feel good because of something on the news, because of something that somebody said to me? These are all external things, you know? And you're giving your power away. You're giving your right to feel elevated. And you know, when you're like feeling elevated and being in these higher states of consciousness is actually what that really means, because you said earlier, we're bioelectric beings, we're biomagnetic. We have all of these quote unquote metaphysical aspects that really are operating through our consciousness and we're physical beings secondary, secondarily, really, you know? But when you let that energy be how you perceive reality, then suddenly you're not just a person alone in a body on a planet. You literally feel the energetic structures that are being emitted from the earth that are within our solar system, that the entire universe is structured by because it's all one big living structure, all of it like magnetism, right? You don't see the magnet, the energy from the magnet, but you know it's there. This energy that we all are, regardless of what we believe, regardless of who we think we are, this energy that is causing our hearts to beat is something that is happening in everybody. You know, it's innate intelligence and it's way more intelligence than I am, you know? Like I am an idiot compared to how literally how magnificently intelligent this is but you know i'll give myself a little bit of credit where i realize that i might be able to get smarter or just more aware is if i take what little bit of intelligence i have and start really paying attention to this innate intelligence of my being and that's what i did i just you know kept making a habit out of paying attention to that and it was amazing how the things just disappear, the problems, you know, and you start feeling so good that you're like, my God, the only reason that I would come out of this is because I chose to. And that's very empowering when you realize that you are capable of getting into these states, sustaining them, and then that's the energy that you bring to the world. It's... (laughs) Well, I love all that. And, and the way that I interpret what you're saying is some of the Zen lessons and some of those are non-attachment, non-judgment, things like that. And, you know, reflecting on non-judgment, it's interesting because we naturally judge everything because we have to, we judge the speed of a car. We judge if someone's a good or a bad person. I'll judge a person and be like, you know, that's not a person who's going to babysit my daughter right? That person could be. So we judge, but I think that we attach to that judgment, you know, and we're looking out in the world and we're allowing the world to dictate how we feel, right? All the time. And 99% of people, and I'm in this for sure too, is we need it all to be perfectly set, right? And then when everything, all the ducks are in a row, then we can feel good. And I guarantee you, if you're that person, when all the ducks are in a row, you don't feel good. You might get like 30 seconds. You might even get a few hours if you're lucky, but you're going to go back to the way of thinking because where it originates is in your thinking. It's in your being and how you perceive things. 
And I feel like your learning, like you share, is being in the pits of hell to know how far down it goes and how helpless you can feel and and knowing that I think it it allows an intelligence of empathy and compassion for other people. And I love what you said of making a habit of, of focusing on the innate intelligence. And so, you know, my question to you would be, I think a lot of people out there are suffering depression. We have a lot of people who are considering suicide. Uh, myself, I've, I've definitely suffered from depression. Uh, the biggest one that I, I struggle with, and we can kind of get into it, we'll get into a lot of different things, but I look at the suffering in the world, right? And so you're talking about how this is like a good opportunity in history and what's coming up. You're aware of the evil stuff. You're aware of, you know, I get upset. People are talking about the coronavirus all the time. And I'm like, you know, and then the virtue signaling is going nuts. And if I share a perspective that's literally laid out with data and common sense, you know, you still get attacked and virtue signaled and all this. And I'm saying, look, if we're looking at a pandemic, the real pandemic is human trafficking, right? Um, if we look at the coronavirus and what's happening and you, you have to research to actually know what's going on, you actually have to research beyond mainstream media. Um, you can look at the death rates, you can look at all this. There, it, it, you know, one of them weighs a lot more saying, hey, we can you know, defend this thing. Um, we also might die. That's part of it, but you're probably going to die from something else. And we've got these really huge power structures, which I know you're aware of. You can kind of see through the baloney. Um, and so that's my, my challenge. When I look at that horrendous stuff, I'm like, how do I make a change? Right. When I see all this stuff coming, coming down the pipe and people thinking in certain ways that are for oppression and for tyranny and, you know, not trying to hold on to the judgment of what they're doing, but I'd like to maintain my own freedoms. And I'd also prefer not to have tomatoes thrown at me, but it's part of the job. So <laughs> how, how are you able to balance being aware being like, holy crap, that's awful, whether it's starvation. I actually saw as a reference, um, somebody uh, shared something and it was a, f a photographer taking a picture of a, a child that was going to die of starvation and there's a, a crow or not not a crow vulture waiting to eat it and uh, apparently the uh, photographer committed suicide three months after that and so that's the kind of like darkness when you go into human trafficking and stuff in the world where you know or organ harvesting in china and you know that's what makes me really upset is like yes it's sad that there's a certain part of the population and a certain amount of people will die from this and if you compare that to human trafficking it's like uh i don't know uh uh mosquito bite versus mike tyson punching you in the face as hard as he can you know one of them one of them packs a bigger punch uh in every way and one of them's a bigger system and so it's a big rant and uh why don't you give me your feed this is like a personal coaching call me calling you like hey buddy this is what i'm struggling with lay it on me let, let everybody I know what, what you this say great you know that it's beautiful i mean I don't know if it was Einstein, somebody, and probably a lot of people have said something similar to this, but essentially you can't change the problem with the same level of thinking that created it, right? And that can be dissected and broken down in many different ways, but to simplify it, like when I hear about all these things and yes, like obviously, I mean, I, you know, anybody who believes what the media tells them, which are a lot of people, that I love and care for deeply, but they believe it and there's no getting around it. You, like, what do I, what do you do? You know, in that situation, I'm like, well, they don't want to change their mind. So why should I feel like I have to change their mind? Mm. You know? And then when I hear about all these awful things, yes, like the initial impact is like, Oh, it's, you know, it feels like, but most people feel that 
pain, that emotional pain, or they feel the intensity of human suffering or animal suffering or any kind of suffering. And they take on, you know, the initial emotions that they feel, they take that on and they feel bad about it or they feel empathy or whatever, but usually they feel bad and they feel like, oh, I don't know what to do. And so they kind of hang their head down and they just don't do anything. What if the only thing we could do was raise our frequency by raising our emotions, by getting into a new state of being where you feel, you literally start producing your own feel-good chemicals in your body so that they start flooding your body. Then you start thinking thoughts that are at a much higher frequency. And then suddenly those things that had so much power over you don't anymore. Okay. They, you now have raised your frequency to the degree where these things are not going to drag you down into a hole and take you over. You have chosen to rise above it. And so in that place, that's when you learn patience. That's when you learn all these virtues. From that place, you will know what you can do to help, you know, whether that's helping on a, because sometimes helping, we all want the world to change, right? But sometimes it isn't about changing the entire world. Sometimes it's just about helping those who you are close to face difficult things. You know, when you raise your frequency, when you love others with empathy and you sustain that within yourself, yes, the problems of the world exist but so does a much greater perspective of what is possible, you know, because everything that's happening on a human level is really very temporary compared to the earth beneath our feet, compared to the solar system that's surrounding us, the galaxy surrounding us, the universe surrounding us, and the dimensions beyond what we normally perceive with our human senses. When you are living elevated and your frequency is raised and you are in tune with what you have the potential to be in tune with with your body you become aware of all these things and believe me there's not problems <laughs> the universe is a lot more coherent and a lot more structured and a lot more ordered than it is disordered chaotic and incoherent yes those forces exist but they are relatively small they need to exist they both both these forces need each other but there is more coherence and more order than incoherence. So if we are not in a state of coherence with it, then we are subjecting ourselves to the minority of energy that's being distributed on the planet. And that's what sucks us down and keeps us stuck in a, in a limited dimension of perceiving reality, in a limited ability to be able to love unconditionally. And you know, since you've been quoting Viktor Frankl, I don't remember exactly what he said because I read the book a long time ago once, but he said something to the effect of, and this is such a radical notion for most people, but loving your jailer or loving your captor or having empathy for them. And you know, most people would be like, why would I ever do that? But again, back to the same thing of you can't fix the problem with the same level of thinking that created it. When we get upset and angry at what the powers that be are doing, the atrocities, the crimes against humanity that they are committing, if we meet that with a level of resistance and a level of anger and just like bitterness, we're only 
it, we're doing that from our lower centers, from our survival centers. We're in a state of fight or flight. And when we're doing that, our body's creating massive amount of stress hormones, okay? And we are not living in our higher centers, in our heart, our throat chakra, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland. We're not in those upper contemplative centers, which when you do get into them, it brings balance back to these lower ones. So this is how I look at it. Like whatever is happening in the world, how does it make me feel? Is it hurting me? Is it okay? Then, then that's me allowing it to hurt me because yes, what, what's happening on our planet is terrible by all means, right? But what's happening in our earth, what's happening in the universe is beautiful. It's amazing. It's magnificent. It's awe-inspiring. And when we get out of the belief that we are this human identity, having this human experience, and that's all we are, then we free ourselves from the shackles of collective imprisonment that most of the species has been subjected to for countless, for eons, probably. You bring up a lot of great points. And the way that I perceive what you're talking about is, is kind of like, uh, you know, the example I've been using lately is like a samurai warrior and uh, he knows he's going to go to war and you could be afraid that, you know, the warring tribe is coming and, but that's not how you prepare. You prepare by strengthening your body, making sure your tools are correct and all these different things. And let's say the battle, right? And so we're looking at coronavirus or whatever is frightening and we, we go into the battle. And if we get afraid in the battle, we're not going to perceive all these different things. And that we need to, to survive and that we need to help our friend, right? If we want to actually help, it's like, oh, our friend is down. We, we need to perceive those things. And so fear uh, is the number one inhibitor of pattern recognition because of the chemicals it releases, norepinephrine, things like that. So you limit pattern recognition. So that limits your options. So that limits your choices and that limits your freedom. And if you look through the lens, I consider this, when you look at the television, this artificial thing, you're looking through something artificial hearing me now, um, you, we don't know how real exactly it is. You know, we can, we can learn these, you know, about these things. And, but back in the day when we couldn't communicate in this way, we didn't have that information. We didn't know about the atrocities going on there. So I think one thing is to extend our compassion, to have an understanding of it and be able to alchemize that because, you know, Alex made a really great point on the podcast and he has this book I'm excited to read. He said, why evil matters. And this was a skeptics coming to the understanding of the occult evil that exists to the level it exists, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, which would just give nightmares to 90% of people in the way that if they hear it, they just disregard it, Pat, uh, cognitive dissonance way too much. You know, even when I worked on human trafficking and organ harvesting, none of my friends wanted to engage in that. It's just, you know, no, I'm not letting that in. But when they don't let it in, we can't extend our compassion to be available for a solution. We can't build a big boat together. We can't take another action. And I, I like what you say, and it pisses me off at the same time because um, I want to be able to do more. And I know that it's correct in that way where we live in these communities. And if I'm not whole, complete, harmonious, um, you know, vibrant for my family, for my community, looking at those options, uh, what can I do? If I could push a button to end it, I definitely would. 
And so my aunt is kind of going through learning about all this stuff and she's all fired up and trying to figure it out. And she goes, you know, at work, people are getting upset, but I gave them some information. I was like, well, that's your role. That's what you can do now. So if you go around and you're super negative and you're shouting at everybody because she's super feisty, that's not helpful. But when you figure it out and you do your little piece, I think that that matters as much as it can because this world is much greater than the individual. And if we can tune in to what we have available to us, and again, that's why I like the answer because I believe it's true and I hate it because it doesn't allow me to make a bigger impact. And the only way I'm going to have an opportunity to make a bigger impact is if I am capable of more. And so if everybody's drowning and you are freaking out and you can't swim, right? Or if you calm down and you see a boat, you go get that boat, you start pulling people in, but all that's gonna remain focused. The second you start freaking out, um, you're not gonna be able to help to the degree that you would like to help. So I feel like on one end, it's, it's looking at it, alchemizing it and saying, okay, I am available for a solution and I won't let it crush me. I will develop the skills and do what I can within my environment to build myself up to find uh, solutions for where I am because each community has its own issues, right? Each family has its own issues. Um, each relationship has its own issues. So this works really on a micro scale. And if you're just focused on this thing outside of you, which could just be another reflection of a perceived reality that you're not actually living in, you're not in the here and now of what is existing here and now. And I feel like that balance is important and something that I'm, I'm working on. So you can, do you want to comment on that or do you want me to ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can do both, but I'll, I'll just say, <laughs> I love it. No, I love the flow. I love the engagement. Like we'll just let it go where it's going to go and that's it. But I wanted to mention like, you know, in these Western cultures that most of us live in, a lot of our desire to feel like we need to change the world isn't actually ours. Like, yes, we witness the atrocities. Obviously, we want that to change. But we have this, like, get rich quick mentality that everybody has, that most people have in these Western cultures. But that correlates to, oh, I need to do this now. I need to do this big. I need to make this happen. And sometimes it's that type of mentality and that kind of conditioning that keeps us from doing things really big because look at it this way like who wants to live in prison right who wants to live in a confined isolated jailed place you know nobody does but as soon as we give our power away to all these evils that are happening in the world and we allow it to bring us down then they own us we gave our power to them and they own it they own us and that prevents us from truly tapping into something that's huge because i'll tell you what when i get into these highly coherent spaces and suddenly all of my glands are in harmony with my heart things get really big really big i mean universally big it has the potential to be and everybody can do this because it's our natural state of being. Being stressed out, being angry, being all these things are temporary states of being. That's not normal, it's just that it's become normal because so many people are doing it that we've accepted it as normal. But what is actually normal is <sighs> calming down, relaxing, getting into a space of coherence where the heart is sending signals to all the other organs of the body 
then the, all the other organs come online. And then you realize that the things that really matter are your health, right? Your, which is totally contingent upon your state of being. Like, I get it. I know, believe me, there's so much that we wish we could do. You know, I went to prison. I, I spent three years in prison. And when it first happened to me and I got arrested, set up by my friend, the whole thing, like, I was such a victim. I was so angry. I was so upset. But I soon, it took me about a year to realize that I was only hurting myself by being like that. And there were simply things that I could not change even though I wanted to. And so I had to become really realistic in the way I was perceiving myself in reality and look at what can I change? And then it became self-evident. It's like, well, I can change my state of being, you know? I can be angry or bitter and a victim and all that, or I can trust, I can love, I can, you know, these I could get into an elevated state of being. And when I was in an elevated state of being, then suddenly I just felt amazing, despite the fact that I was in a prison with people who kill each other and do all kinds of terrible things. And they're my roommates, you know? And it's like, like Viktor Frankl said, or somebody to that effect, loving the captor, right? Loving everybody and everything, you know? In, in that situation, like, I felt when I started getting into these elevated states and sustaining them, I watched how all of the animals in the jungle started becoming tame, but not in a way where they wanted to, you know, where they lost their fight. It was more like the law of cooperation. Like all of a sudden everybody was in it together. And it was like, okay, why do we want to fight against each other when we can all work together for the greater good of us all? And that's really how life works. Nature works in that way the universe, all these planetary and physical sentient beings and bodies and everything that's spread out from the smallest microorganism to the greatest supernova, all have this level of connection, this law of cooperation. It's all one big system working together with all of these microsystems within it that are working. And if we're not in tune with our body, then our body isn't in tune with that. And when you have a whole species that isn't, that's not in tune with that and doing it, then we're still creating, you know? But what are we creating? You know, are we really helping by being angry and frustrated and all that? I don't think so. Like, how could we be helping? We're just creating more of the same, you know? What if, what if the way to change this was for everybody to just calm down, relax, reprioritize their values, love the life force that's animating their being, and start feeling how your body is capable of producing these emotions. In the same way we produce anger and fear and all that, we produce love and joy and wellness. And anybody can try this at home, you know, focus on being angry, get, get as angry as you can and sustain that. And then tell me how you feel at the end of the day, you know? Most likely your adrenals will be burnt out. You'll be feeling all beat up, but then do the opposite. Really love, have empathy, you know, and do that and sustain it. And then tell me how you feel. Yeah, man, absolutely. You, you, you brought up a lot of great points again. And what it reminded me of is this story of uh, Macaulay, and I'll probably 
butcher her last name, but it's Illa Begiza, um, and she was a part of the um, the Rwanda genocide. And she, Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about her, and I need to get her book because I bring her up a lot. She was being hidden in a bathtub, I think, with 14 other people while her friends and family and everybody was getting murdered. And she said there was one point where she, they were coming to the door and and she felt the knife or the machete go in her. She said she could physically feel it because she was about ready to die. And it was a day, it was a day or so after that where she went through this release of actually forgiving everybody that had done it because she'd gone through the anger, she'd gone through all these different things, and she got to this place of forgiveness. And I just think about that. I'm like, oh my goodness, how powerful is, is that? And then I think about the other example of Socrates. And, you know, he was put to death. And everybody should keep this in mind for the times we're in. He was put to get death for one, denouncing the gods of the day, so they wanted to kill him, and disrupting the minds of the youth for probably getting them to think for themselves. And so, you know, in the world we're at today, people are, you know, how dare you not, you know, want to wear a mask? I was like, well, I'm just thinking for myself, and I just like the choice. And when you present me the evidence, you know, but if I say that, then I'm basically killing everybody now, and I'm pigeonholed in this thing. And uh, if I get really solid evidence um, for it, I, I'll, I'll I have no problem. I want to I want to help people, you know. Um, and I also don't want to be oppressed. So I'm just doing the best I can to make my own decision, and uh, you know, be in, in harmony and communion with other people. And so, I like the point of of coming back within yourself because I do think that nature is harmonious. And when people are taking action out of fear. Um, out of uncertainty, out of anger, they're creating more of that in the physical world that we're in. And so when somebody is in harmony, their actions are in harmony, they're in cooperation uh, with other people, there are four solutions. It's only when you're out of whack, are you going to do something that is out of natural order, let's say, right? If you want to impose on someone else, right? If you want to mandate and say, you must do what I think. And it's from a face state of fear and stress you know yeah. put this mask on i'm helping you and i think about like you know everybody drowning and they're like you know putting weights on you i'm helping you i'm helping you this is like i know you think that and i'd like you to stop helping me please you know and and so um from that we have to get to that state of peace and i feel like this is a great opportunity for us to reflect on our values um and look at the world as a whole i feel like it's a really great opportunity to extend our compassion to all of the world because we're all in this together, which is right. That's a positive thing. We're getting information and it's looking like, you know, it's a model, so I don't trust it very far, but it looks like this could really affect the people in, in poor countries. You know, uh, we already have 9.1 million people die of starvation, 9.1 million people. The coronavirus right now, they said is 500,000. And of those 500,000, we just know in Italy, 96% had pre-existing conditions. So they're dying with COVID using a, a, fa a test that doesn't, is baloney. Look up the PCR test. The guy who invented it said, don't use this to test viruses. <laughs> they're using it to test viruses. So educate yourself on that. Thomas Cowan has a great video on that. So they're dying with it. And how they do it is saying it's not because of it, it's with it. And so if we look at the numbers of human trafficking, um, starvation and what this could do to people on the fringes of starvation, we need to extend our compassion beyond what we're doing here and how that might affect other people, how our choices are affecting the entire world, not just our communities, not just uh, maybe the, our surrounding area and take it upon ourselves to just extend our compassion to all things. So we have a firm understanding. And the, the problem is that 
when we're in fear, we can't see the bigger patterns. We can't see like if a, if a, if a gun is to your head, Oh, this is interesting. If a gun is into your, to your head, you're not going to see the other people behind because you're focusing on the gun. And when I had a gun to my head in uh, the bush in friggin' where was it? Not Guatemala. Um, uh, I forget where I was, but I was in a foreign country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was hiking. I was in a foreign country and it's gotten to my head. I, I don't know why I'm blanking on which, which country, but I actually noticed the two other people behind them and the other, and the other ones, because I, I didn't feel fear. And the reason why I didn't feel fear, it's not because I'm fearless. I'm definitely not. I'm scared of stupid stuff. Um, but it's because I had, I've traveled quite a bit and I'm aware of the mentality that they would have. Right. And because of all the training from martial arts and things that I've done, I think it kicked in and I had to surrender to what was happening. We have to surrender to life as it is. If that person was going to shoot me, they were going to shoot me. If I'm going to die in a car, I'm going to die in a car. If I'm going to die from COVID, I'm going to die from COVID. I can't change that. You know, I, I put myself in risky situations because I like extreme sports and things like that. And I trust my body and my abilities. Could something happen to me one day? Yeah, um, it could. Like Shane McConkey, if people know him, look at his that documentary of Shane McConkey. This guy is unbelievable. He, he like pioneered uh skiing um jumping off cliffs and then parachuting and then wingsuiting and that's ended up what killed him but he had an extraordinary life and the stuff that he did w was mind-blowing but it's an acceptance of how you want to experience life and so it's a it's an important thing but when we're in fear we're going to limit that pattern recognition we can't make choices that uh, you might think you're helping but you're sinking the boat it's like th these examples in movies sometimes right where the person starts to freak out and then he Frigs it up for everybody because they're trying to stay cool and that one's freaking out. And uh, so that's kind of how I see this, this whole thing. So why don't we transition a little bit into your book? Cause I'd love to hear, you know, you, you have some incredible stories. Uh, you've been through a lot and just sharing those experiences of getting on the other side. A lot of people don't, a lot of people are unable to get under the, the weight and helplessness and awfulness of addiction of depression a lot of suicide is up i saw one article with even the coronavirus well what makes people want to commit suicide depression fear anxiety and isolation there's no one around us and that's what we're doing to our world and in a couple uh, articles i saw more people are dying of suicide than the coronavirus and with it not of it it's very different and these are young people these are kids these are teens because they can't see your friends you know so I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. So I just got sad for a second. Um, yeah. Can you talk, uh, yeah. Talk about why you wanted to write the book and, and what's in there and what do you hope to share with it? Because I, I, I haven't read it yet, but I got to go through the chapters. I got to browse some of the words and it's some powerful stuff in there. And you, you really do a great job of, of talking about, you know, your story, but also the, the lessons that are universal and these universal lessons you've experienced in the worst way. Someone would be like, oh, what's it like to be, you know, addicted to heroin? It's just like, oh, just stop doing heroin. Just, you know what I mean? You loser, you know, you homeless, you, they have no compassion. It's just like when you're in that awfulness, there's a lot of learning in there. And so would love to, you know, hear about why you want to write the book and what's in there and, and what you hope to share. Oh, thank you, Matt. Yeah, I wrote it essentially when I was incarcerated and I wrote it as a way to come to terms with, okay, yeah, I was selling pot, but like I'm in prison. I've ruined my life. I lost everything I had. What's the deeper meaning behind this, you know? So I wrote it as a way to 
look at my own patterns to try to get what was in me out of me and on paper. So that way I wasn't so attached to it, you know, or can, or identified with it. Because when you have it all bottled up in you, you just keep going it over and over and over and you feel like a victim and this and that. And so I knew that the first step was getting it out of me. And I wrote it and it was extremely cathartic. It was a really healing thing. I let a couple people read it and they were like, you have to publish this. You know, and I was like, no way. It's, it's way too private. Like it's, it's my, it's like things I wouldn't want to even tell people. You know, I let a few people I trust read it, but they were like, no, this will help so many people. And I sat with it for a while and then, you know, finally was like, you know what, if this will help people, if, if I can do this in a way that really assists others who are going through difficult times, then I'm willing to do that, even though it's so deeply personal. And so I, I, instead of just like writing it like a diary, I instead wrote it, even though it's, it's examples and stories of my life, I wrote it from an observational perspective, like an onlooker's perspective. So it's my story, but it's about the reader. It's about the world. It's about everybody else and how we can really tap into the core of what we are and live from that place, you know? And for me, interesting, and it's an interesting topic, but it really culminated with using sexual energy in a very different way than we're taught to use it or that we're taught to perceive it. Like, you know, everybody thinks of sex from an external perspective, right? It's something that we do with somebody else or something that we do to ourselves and it's an external thing. But the internal use of it, because, you know, when I got to prison, I was like, well, I'm not going to be having sex. It's just, you know, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be happening for me while I'm here. So what am I going to do with this energy? Because it was a massive amount of energy just always welling up in me. And I just intuitively was like, well, I'm going to start breathing that energy into my organs, literally like breathing it and channeling it and directing it with my mind, with my focus, with my intention into my organs. And I was doing it every single day. And I began to notice that as, you know, I had health conditions before I went in there. I had really severe GI issues. Just, I was a disaster by the time I got there. You know, I was on pretrial for a year and a half. It was just so, I was, I was literally a wreck by the time I got in there. But when I started doing this and breathing this energy into my body, the first time that I was able to get it to go into my heart, it felt like a heartgasm. That's the only way to say it. It was like this energy just like <gasps> way better than just any genital orgasm, right? Then I got it to go into my brain and it was like a brain gasm. It took a little bit of time to do this stuff, but that changed everything, everything. Because, and here's a great analogy, and I know I'm kind of veering into this, but I wanna, I wanna put, I wanna tell people this stuff because everybody can do it. Everybody has the potential to do this. They just have to make the choice to do it and do it over and over again. But this is a great analogy. And I talked about it last week. I did a thing. But like, if you've ever had a sexual fantasy about somebody, and everyone has, you know, like at one point in your life, you've had a sexual fantasy about somebody you think about, and sorry to be so crude here, but I'm just going to lay it all out since we're going about everything. You start thinking about what it would be like 
to make love to this person or have sex with them or, you know, and all that energy is going into your genitals and all the blood goes in there. And then we know what happens. Like men, the penis gets hard, women, the vagina gets wet. Like that's what happens. But when you start to have fantasies from your heart or from different organs in your body, like your pituitary gland or your pineal gland or your thyroid gland or your thalamus gland, which are all mini brains, essentially, they all have plexus centers. They all have neural networks that are connected to the entire whole. And they've been conditioned with these fear-based, stress-based, fight-or-flight emotions that most of us have been subjected to and are perpetuating in the course of our lives. And so these centers have become inactive or dormant. But when you start bringing this sexual energy internally, channeling it internally, breathing it into your organs, then these glands, your perceptive capabilities become activated you start perceiving yourself from a more holistic expression of what you've always been, but didn't realize you were because you were stuck in such a persistent state of fight or flight. So I started doing that, channeling all this energy and then just like imagining like, what would it be like to just love this world, to love this experience, even though I'm in jail and I'm surrounded by people I don't necessarily want to be around, like, what if I embrace this and just really, I don't have to love the way it looks, but what if I could love the way I react to it? What if the things that trigger me instead of me getting triggered and upset? And what if it was like, oh no, this is something that is teaching me to overcome something, you know? And like water, I can just be ever present with it and just keep kind of eroding away the triggers and things that keep being presented to me. And so that's what I did. And I started having these fantasies in different areas of my body in all these, literally everywhere in my hands, in every center, in all my organs. Cause I had a lot of time, you know? So I started literally just having, and it was amazing beyond amazing because your health issues, all the, your personal issues, your mental, your emotional, all the things that you hold onto, which are all from the past, become liberated or released because you are bringing through a level of energy that you are cultivating within yourself. And you are opening up the dams, the, block, the blockages in you that inhibit a more holistic flow of this life force that you actually truly are. And when that happens, you aren't the ego, the person of your past. You are something that is so grateful to exist while at the same time heightened, heightened perceptually aware of what the possibility to create actually is. And my God, everybody can do this. Everybody. You know, even if you only were to just have a heart fantasy, you know, or have a gut fantasy, you know, or, whatever, or, or same thing like with your throat. Imagine what it would be like to be speaking your truth, to be speaking in power and how good that would make you feel like literally like creating these fantasies. And when you do that, you'll feel the energy, the blood, everything in your body goes to whatever area you are focusing on and it activates 
what is there giving you something that is profound so that's a little off course but i wanted to yeah i think i think it's excellent i'm glad you shared that because it's something that i am aware of from yogic philosophies and the way that you shared it's it's interesting because I've had the experiences uh, through meditation and they don't happen all the time. Uh, I just had a few, you know, here and there throughout my life. And usually when I'm in deep states of meditation and I'm doing it a lot at the time, right? My life is aligned so I can just meditate my butt off. And I've had these experiences where it's beyond ego, beyond space and time, you know, and everything is perfect, right? It's all, there's no problem here. It's definitely all aligned and, and harmonious. So I, I absolutely agree with, with what you're saying. And it's interesting because in yoga and other philosophies, they talk about not wasting your sexual energy, right? Don't, you know, they say you shouldn't masturbate. Well, they say you can, they're not saying, you know, don't, but they're saying you're wasting that energy, right? That's just going nowhere. So what if you could direct that? And it's kind of another way to put it is like anger. It's uh, alchemy. And when people think about alchemy, they think of lead to gold. And originally these guys were mystics. They were spiritual, uh, um, uh, I don't know how to say like uh, philosophers, they're, they're, they're on the spiritual path. And so they were alchemizing emotion and energy. And so when you shared, you know, the sexual energy, which is the strongest and most primal, and that's why we have this opposite of that being expressed in the world in a very negative way. You know, if you can direct that into the heart, I was like, huh, because I know what an orgasm feels like and that's awesome. And so, but what if it came out of my heart? What if that came out of my pineal gland, that same amount of energy? And you know what that feeling and explosion and energy is. And so I've never had what you're talking about. And it sounds interesting. I don't think, I think when I, when I've experienced it through meditation and other things, it was like, um, and I was in something else, but it wasn't like a directed one. And when I did Dr. Joe meditations and things like that, they would teach you to um, squeeze up the perineum, basically your butt, and squeeze the energy up, you know, going through the central nervous system, through the pineal, and focus on that practice. And you had a very, like you said, a, a, an extended meditation retreat. What else are you going to do? And so that gives you an opportunity to explore this in a way where you have an experience where the world in which we live right now, your average mom and pop nine to five do not have that kind of time to be doing that kind of practice. So it seemed like you want to jump in there. What do you want to say? Well, no, I love what you're saying. Like, first of all, yes, yes, yes. All this, like you said so many things that people need to understand. Like most of us know what an orgasm feels like, right? Imagine what that feels like in your heart, in your brain, in your hand, you know? And I don't mean like, like actually feeling that, implosion from the inside out this is what we are all i mean this can happen in an instant for all of us if we know what it is that's inhibiting our ability to do that okay and that's what i want to get people excited about like when you're feeling this pulsing through you and you're doing it as a result of your own internal alchemy of your own internal cultivation there's nothing to be depressed about you know like the depression the state of the world you are like oh my god like you know that this level this state of being if there's any way that this world is going to change it's going to be from that place you know look at we're watching all of these systems crumble every single system of our modern age is crumbling because something new has to take its place 
what is it? Is it going to be the, the like, that's why like changing the world with the same level of being, is that going to change it? Because what are we going to replace all these crumbling structures with? What's this new thing going to be? Is it going to be the same old thinking and, you know, feeling that produced the situation to begin with? Or is it going to be like, we're talking about us as individuals, as these beings that have temporarily renounced the world to create a better world inside of ourselves, then reflecting this better internal world that we've cultivated with assistance from the highest forces there are out into the world for others to realize they have the capability of doing the same thing. I feel like that's what's going to change this world. And it's true, people feel like they don't have the time. Nobody ever has the time, right? No one ever does. Look, when I was in jail, I didn't, I was like, oh, I don't have the time to do this. I could, and at first I didn't, I was like, it's too loud, it's too this. We can always find a million excuses to not do this internal work, always, you know? And then, you know, even not being in jail, it's like, you know, oh, the kids, oh, I gotta watch my TV show, oh, I gotta, but when we do a, an honest, rational self-check and we see how much of our attention we are giving to external people, places, or things, it'll be surprising to most of us that we are giving the bulk of our attention to all these things around us. And even in our times of so-called rest, we're still perceiving things outside of us. This is a reprioritization of values. Okay, I, that's what I had to do. I had to be like, what do I really value in life, you know? And it was like, well, I value my health, okay? When I was in there feeling bad, feeling beat up, I, I was, last thing I wanted to do was, you know, I, I didn't, I wanted to, I didn't want to feel bad, you know, but I was feeling so bad and I caught myself. I was like, oh, wow, I'm allowing myself to go into this victim mentality and feel bad about it. And the more I feed into it, the stronger it gets, the more it keeps me in it. So I was like, no, I, I love this life. And be, having been through addiction and been through all these things in the past, I knew that I had it within me to do that, just like we all do. And so in choosing, in, in prioritizing, like having an elevated state of being, that's what matters. You know, then suddenly you don't care as much about watching a TV show or watching a movie or, you know, doing a bunch of research online. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but if those things are owning you and owning your emotional state, then you are selling yourself out to them. That's how I view it with myself. So I had to be like, okay, you know, cause before all this happened, I was so heavily invested in fear porn, right? Like, you know, I have friends who own big websites that pump out really high quality content about real things that are happening. And I was so invested, so heavily invested in this idea that economic collapse was coming, you know, that everything, the, whole, the world was going to fall. I was buying into this to the degree that it was affecting my health. I mean, at any minute, I was waiting for a complete and total collapse and just the world to end. And this was 15 years ago, 
You know, back then they were saying like, at any moment the dollar's gonna fail or this is gonna fail or cyber attack or this from like, and you know, and I realized that, oh my God, I'm giving so much of my attention, so much of my beautiful internal energy to these possibilities that absolutely could happen at any moment for sure. But the more I'm giving my attention to them, not only am I feeding the possibility of them happening quicker, but I am giving away the most valuable thing that I have and will ever have. And that is priceless, which is my attention. Okay. There isn't all the money on the world cannot hold more value than your own consciousness when it's in alignment with the integral structures of life itself. There is nothing more valuable than that. But when we aren't making that a priority and when we aren't living in a way where we recognize that, we're selling ourselves short. We are giving this beautiful life force and feeding a machine that is insatiable in its appetite. It just wants to keep feeding it and it'll take all of it. And it loves it. It's like, oh, give me more fear. Yes. I knew I caught it. I was like, oh my God, like I'm doing this. I am literally the one doing it. And you know, my plan was before I got arrested, I owned a house that I ha I built the whole thing according to the Fibonacci spiral. It was a whole sacred geometry house. I had everything that I needed to live completely off grid, deep in the mountains of Maine, from far from, like I wouldn't have needed to gone anywhere to do anything. And that was my plan. I was like, I am getting out of this matrix, out of this system, because it is gonna crash like big time. It's only a matter of time. And the exact opposite happened to me. I was so afraid of that happening that I got arrested. I got sentenced. They took all of my properties. They took everything that I had. They put me in the belly of the beast. And it was a, the exact opposite of what I wanted to create. But my fear around that, you know, when I looked at it in retrospect, I created that situation because I was so consumed by my own fear of what may or may not happen that I was losing it. I was, I was feeding into and making my worst fears come to life. And sure enough, they came right to life. But it was in, you know, and then when you're in your worst fears and you're like, oh my God, like it could have made me so angry and so bitter and so hateful. And at first it did, you know, but when I caught myself, when I just woke up and realized that I was actually creating all of this, it was like, oh my God, I became aware of the unconscious motives, the conditioning that I had unconsciously unknowingly and unknowingly been subjected to throughout the course of my life. I was letting that get the best of me. I was letting that be the energy that I was creating my reality from. And when I finally woke up and realized that it was like, ah, oh. I knew I still had a ton of work to go to do. And I knew that but I realized, I was like, oh my God, I was doing this. I did it. And to be able to come to a place where you're able to take just total radical self-responsibility 
for your entire situation in life and realize that you created it. Even though I hadn't created anything new at that point, I knew that because I had created it and brought it up to that point, I could create something totally different. And that's what it was, you know? I just made that decision with such intensity. I was like, I'm going to change. I'm going to love life. I'm going to rise above the conditions of my past. I'm going to rise above the triggers that I feel from everybody and everything around me. I'm going to take my perception of the world around me that looks a certain way and I'm going to transmute it. I'm going to alchemize it. I am going to breathe a new perception of life into it that allows me to transcend all of it. And I'm going to do it every single day, no matter what. And even if I don't think I have the time for it, I'm going to find a way to make time for it because I recognize the value of this. And it is something so priceless that no amount of money can buy. Even if it means that I, the bills to my house go, even if I can't feed anything, I am that committed. I am committing to this no matter what, if I'm homeless in the street, but this is number one. So I'm saying all that because it was that level of conviction, of devotion, that empowered me enough to realize I can do this. And of course, like the house didn't go away and all like the bill, like somehow things have a way of working themselves out as long as you are really staying in alignment with us. It's amazing how they do, they, they just do. But it takes that decision. It takes that initiative to do this internal work to raise your frequency. And then when you start, just as when you're negative and angry, you see it reflect back to you by other people's negative or angry reactions, whatever, same thing. You start seeing this internal elevated state being reflected back to you in other people or circumstances around you. And that provides you more fuel, more recognition that what you are doing is working. And once you start getting into that, then you're like, you just keep going <laughs> you, because you love it, you know? <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, that's a really powerful story and, and everything you're sharing, I certainly agree with and, and have read about and or experienced in some way. And I feel like there's incredible power in decision. And I know this to be true from extreme sports. If you're going to go try and do something very hard, like a double backflip over a massive jump or something on, you know, I'm training freestyle motocross guys, things like that. Um, they have to commit that you at that point of creation, right? They're creating their, re and that's why extreme sports, you know, and, and like Zen athlete, like if you read that book from a business perspective or a life perspective, the level of uh, mental mastery you need, and it's so simple is applied there because you're creating reality in a very sketchy way, very deliberately. And if you don't line up with the universe and your integrity and your way of being, when you want to create that trick, you're going to experience a consequence and you'll know why you'll know which one of those elements were out of whack. And so, you know, you shared a lot of really important things like the decision and it's like invoking your will and committing. I am going to do this. It's the most powerful thing in, in the universe. Most people commit like maybe 50%. I'm going to do this. Ah, oh, got hard. I stopped. What? You know? And so when I'm coaching people and trying to help them, you know, I, wrote, I did the program soul compass, which is a part of the Academy because people are always asking me those questions, the fundamental things. And when you get in alignment, I say it's not an end goal. 
right? It's a decision in a direction. Once you line that up, you're observing stuff along the way and you, you make a lot of mistakes, but you're committing to something that's coming from you and it's empowering you because it is from you. It's not from outside sources. It's your creating it. Once you kind of tune that in, it's just a consistent refinement process. Then you get to enjoy the process a little bit more. And so I definitely agree with it, with everything that you're saying and what a powerful realization. And hopefully it will help me and, and the listeners and, and people out there to to let that story sink in about the power of decision and, and how to do that. Um, I'd love to talk to you all day. I got a little bit more time. So I want to ask you, one question for sure, which is, um, oh, and I wanted to reference too, you know, it's what a powerful concept about um, the, the fantasies, right? Being a young man, you know, and having those emotions, you have all these fantasies that happen. And those are like the ones that kind of continue, right? Those are the ones that kind of keep going. And I noticed that for myself, the more I'm kind of like, you know, and in, in drinking alcohol or partying or whatever, I'll more I'll have those fantasies. And the more that I'm in nature and I'm secluded, I'm doing my Zen monk thing, the more I have different fantasies and what I'm putting in my body and what I'm doing. And so there's energy and thought. Thought is, you know, the first form of creation. And then we write that down, right? And then we take an action. And so when, if we were to commit to even just starting to practice like uh you know what would the heart want right what would the what would the pineal gland want uh, you know how, how would you envision your life and and those become the fantasies that's going to steer your life very differently it's a very very powerful concept so i definitely wanted to um speak on that and so what i want to ask is you said um you said if we understood like what prevented that energy from like having the orgasm of the mind or the orgasm of the pineal, because when we were doing the Dr. Joe advance, that was the goal was to take that energy, the universal energy, the power of your body, the power of your will, the power of the orgasm. Right. And I feel, I don't know if there's any other human experience other than the orgasms like this force beyond you. And that's what people can connect to as spirit, right? It's like, yes, that's a positive sexual experience, but that's not the only way that the, that the universe can come in with a powerful feeling and force. It's not just sexual, but that's one way it expresses. It's like, you didn't tell your body to create that feeling. It just did. And so what could we do? Um, so what, so what is it you said, if we understood that, um, you know, what was inhibiting us to experience that practically, if somebody wanted to start trying this and experimenting, do you have any kind of methodology for that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the things that prevent us without getting really complex about karmic, you know, consequences of past lives and all that, leaving all that aside, essentially the thing that prevents us from being able to do what I've been talking about is ourselves. Okay. It's, and when I say that it's our past conditioning, it's the belief of who we think we are and what we think this world is according to what others have told us it is and that we have accepted as our own belief systems or as self-evident. When we realize that most of how we conduct our present and our future is based upon the past and we choose to create a new state of being now, then you're breaking that conditioning and a lot of what causes this stuff to be dormant is a few things is we've never really activated to begin with. And because we've gotten distracted by the conditions of the world, we just haven't given attention to all this. And that's why it's not working. So we choose to start giving a lot more attention internally. And this is a really beautiful thing too. And again, like 
and I don't want people to think like, first of all, I don't want people to think like I'm perfect or I'm a master or anything like that. Like I am, I've made so many incredible learning mistakes, you know, and I've made some bad decisions in my life that I paid dearly for, but it was going through all these things and committing to doing this work without any exception at all that has allowed me to experience results that have been so transformative. So here's one thing, okay, and, if, and some people get turned off by sexual energy and have all these belief systems around it, which it's up, it's up to them, which it's crazy because we're all here because of sexual energy. So there's a, you know, this is a, we could do an entire thing on this. Like I have a lot of downloads to give on this, but this is what somebody can do. If they don't want to channel their sexual energy, you know, which Qigong and all these other things teach that, but if you don't want to do this whole sexual energy route, getting into a state of heart brain coherence where you're just breathing rhythmically, you know, and you're just feeling joy or love or like whatever for no reason at all, except for you're choosing to, then suddenly you get into a really relaxed state of being your brain waves change. They come out of high stressful states and they get into calm, relaxed ones. And when you're in that state, you can start to feel your pulse, your heartbeat, but you can feel it anywhere the more you practice. And that's a major thing that I would do. Like when I'd get into these really calm, coherent states, I would feel my pulse in my pineal gland, in my pituitary gland, in the different chambers of my brain, in my thyroid gland, in my thalamus. Like I would literally feel the pulse everywhere. And something really beautiful happens when you take your attention from a coherent space and you focus on your pulse in any area of your body, especially these glands, then suddenly it's like the pulse, your heartbeat with your attention on that creates an amplification of that energy. And the more you do that, and feel good about it and love it and get happy about it and just and keep focusing on it, the stronger it gets, the more that center becomes activated and suddenly things begin to happen. Like this whole idea of the pineal gland being calcified, which you know probably is from water and all that. But the real thing is people aren't using their pineal gland even to begin with. <laughs> so who cares if it's calcified or not, if you're not using it. But when you do this and you focus your energy like that you on your heartbeat on your pulse and you feel it throughout all of the centers of your body those dormant centers become activated they become lit up and the potential of them is able to be increased exponentially you know and eventually universally and what is more important especially at a time like this where we're all in prison, you know, or most of us are being told to stay home. We can't leave. And what could be more important than doing this? You know, most people are born, they live their whole lives and they die having never gone inward. There is a rich, in fact, the most wealthy world beyond all imagine where riches beyond the most you know, the thing, valuable things we perceive as reality that are beckoning us to pay attention to them, that are doing so much to get our attention. And all we have to do is give our attention and keep giving our attention. And if we do that earnestly, sincerely, and with devotion, 
you start to wake up. These glands, these things start to wake up. And then you find out what the human body really is capable of from an energetic perspective. It truly is a temple. It is made for the soul to evolve through us. And when we work with what God or the universe or whatever you want to call it has given us from both a soul perspective and from the physical temple of our being, we can expedite our own evolutionary growth so fast. I'm sorry. That's amazing. That. That, was, that was so good, man. I love that whole thing, man. It was beautiful. I knew we were going to get into an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed our first one. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed this one because for me, everything you're saying, I have either an awareness of, of experience and or reading right? And so I don't think I've experienced all of it. Well, I know I haven't. And, but I understand the concept of it. You know, I understand it's like, no, there's definitely something to that. And I've experienced something similar. And the thing is for people who might believe it's like, oh, um, that's too much or whatever. They haven't practiced any of it, you know? And so for me, I had to practice all these things. And luckily I was interested in martial arts and that what was the gateway. And if we look at our world, it's all external. And, and you're talking about where you put your attention. Well, wherever you put your attention, you put your energy. So if you're focused, like you can put, you know, your attention on your fingertip and you'll notice your fingertip. You'll, this is what we do in hypnosis when I'm teaching people hypnosis and it's awareness. And so, you know, even in talking to you, it's helping me right now because I'm, I battle between, um, you know, the quote where it says evil exists when good men do nothing. And how do I apply a, uh, a solution and getting lost in it, putting too much attention there and, and, and not vibrating and experiencing life as positively as I could, but also be aware of like, no, that's a real thing there. So should I, should I uh, prepare? What, what exactly should I do? And, and uh, that's kind of the balance. That's kind of the balance I'm, I'm at right now. And, um, you know, I definitely agree with what you said. And I like the idea of the inner world. That's the thing that people are, are, are not doing at all. And that's the reason why I wrote Zen Athlete was because we do physical training, right? And we do skills training. No, no inner training. Well, martial artists have been doing it for thousands and thousands of years, you know what I mean? And uh, we know it works. And so we've taken that essential part of existing out, right? And it's made us more robotic. It's made us more helpless. It's made us more reliant on something external. Teachers are great. Guides are great. Ascended masters or religious books or spiritual books or uh, books on business, whatever you want, that's great. And the paramount teacher has to be you in your own inner reflection. There's a really uh, smart guy I just came across and uh, Tom Barnett, he's going to hopefully come on the show. I'm connected to him and was listening to him. And he's one of those guys that can defend himself in court through the whole natural law thing. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, only a few people can do that. And he's, he admits he's no expert at it, but there's something there anyway. And he just talks about how he lives his life and these different things. But he goes, you know, I've learned more from my time in nature than anything else. Right. And this guy's super, super intelligent. Uh, and he lives in Gold Coast or, or not Gold Coast, near Byron Bay, which actually when I did one of my deep meditations, it was in Mullumbimby, uh, which is close to my Byron Bay. And I lived in a koala habitat and literally just read, wrote, meditated for, you know, a couple months and, and, you know, really just got deep into it. And that's how I was able to have some of these experiences. And you don't necessarily need to do that. I think the big thing that you shared was the commitment to the practice. And that's what I'm noticing. And I've read about it. it's the, the key is, is, is your commitment and your decision to it. 
right? When we decide we're, we're cutting out all options. I just learned that from Mark England. I'm doing the vocabulary course, which is epic. Shout out Mark England. Um, and uh, he just said the decision it's to cut away. And so you're saying, I am prioritizing this, just like the person who's uh, severely overweight and ha hates everything, just 45 minutes of walking a day. You commit to that. You commit to your health. Not, not maybe. You commit to it, and it's done. You don't need a coach. You don't need a gym. You don't know, need to know about the best workout. It is done. And I feel like when you take the body as an example, it's helpful for people to understand the spiritual and the challenge with the spiritual when I try and get an athlete to visualize or whatever the case is, it's not tangible right? When we pick up a weight, we feel it. And when we suspend our disbelief and we begin playing with this stuff, we realize that that kingdom, that place is where ultimate and infinite potential exists. And the people who dabble in it are the ones who actually know that. And so, you know, you're definitely a representation of that. And so amazing stuff, man. Um, is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to chat about before we close it up? Um, no, of course. I mean, what I, what I would love to do is just emphasize what you just clarified more, like, because I want to see an experience just like you do. I'm sure more people get more connected with this, with what they truly are and self-actualize it and then live in this world from that place, because that's what's going to create the greatest form of change. I, I so thoroughly believe that because so, but you said it, it's you got to make a commitment to it and make a habit out of it. It doesn't mean you got to spend hours a day. It doesn't mean you need to go off to a cave for months or prison for years. You just have to commit devotion, right? To a little bit every day. I mean, just practicing heart brain coherence. There's a great learn about the heart math Institute. They're, they're doing wonderful work. Learn what it's like to get your body into a state of heart-brain coherence and then practice sustaining that. Practice being in that state even when you're around people who trigger you. Practice it no matter what. And just doing that alone will bring somebody to a place that they really always imagined or was possible or that they wished was possible. Just that. So... But it, it needs, you got to do it. You got to, even if it's five minutes a day, great. Start with five minutes a day for the first week, then go to 10 minutes a day for the next week. Even if that's all you did forever, if you gave yourself to those 10 minutes and really allowed that to be all you're focusing on, you're going to get results. And the results might, that might, if you, as long as you commit to it, they will eventually surprise you to the degree where you're just going to want to give more attention to that because it feels better than any of the things that we think we need to make us feel a certain way. We stop wanting the car, the TV show, the this, the that, the relation, like those things become so less important because we now are prioritizing something that is truly giving us results. So I just want to emphasize that. Beautifully stated. Absolutely agree. Yeah. They become, they become secondary and that's the inverted reality we're in. Let's go get the car and the material thing to bring happiness. We'll create the happiness in between. And those are bonuses and their experiences. And you can be happy in the woods and you can be happy um, any other way. And so, yeah, absolutely. Even in the city, stated. even the, you know, I was in right inside prison, you know, which is like, yeah. and I was feeling so incredible 
like literally the last year that I was in there. And it's funny because when I was living in a fear-based state, people would react and respond to me in a fear-based way. But when I was in that other state, they'd be like, what is it? You know, they'd be smiling. They'd have this like look on their face, like, what is it? And I would just tell them, it's you. It's you. Like, it's the part of you that feels what this is in me and you're recognizing it in yourself. And they wanted to figure out more. They wanted to develop that more. They wanted to cultivate it more because the truth is it feels way better than living in a state of stress and fight or flight and survival. You like, who doesn't want to feel relaxed and calm and trusting life? Because that's what we're being called to do, especially now more than ever with this entire global situation that we're facing. Could there be any better of a time to step up and trust that whatever is happening, even though we don't know and don't see that it's for our greatest good? And are we willing as individuals and collectively to meet whatever this is halfway from a place of honor, from a place of integrity, from a place of trust and strength? Are we? Because if we are, and we can find it within ourselves to do that, to face it, even if we die, even if we lose everything, even if everything falls apart, if we can find it within us to trust at those greater levels, we'll be surprised at what rises up to meet us. Because you know what? And I'll, I'll just say this. This energy that is animating our being, that's allowing us to have this human experience, that is gifting us the opportunity to be alive, is where life is really happening. And if we don't give our attention to that, you think it's going to really give a lot of its attention to us? I mean, it's already giving us everything, you know, but as far as having insights and enlightenment and higher perspectives and finding solutions to all these things we're facing, do you think it's going to bless us with that stuff if we're not giving any of our attention to it? Why would it? I mean, why would it, you know, like, it's like, well, okay, well, look at what I've given you already. And you're still focused on the creation. You're focused on the external world around everything around you. And you're not giving any attention to where you come from. It's kind of like, doesn't make sense, right? It's like nonsense, right? But that's it. It's beyond, it's no sense. It's beyond the senses that we're normally used to using. And so you're going into a level of awareness of just pure consciousness and when you get into that space enough times you realize that that consciousness is created to a source of consciousness that is infinite that is ever expansive it's forever and the more you become aware of it the more you just intuitively know how to direct and guide or create the presence of it within these centers of your being and then suddenly the fragmented or disconnected parts of you start to connect more fully with the source of what you truly are because you are giving attention to your source where attention mm. is due. Mm. So. Yeah. You know, again, that's a really great point because where you put your attention, energy and focus, right? You get more of, and you're, you're, you're placing your attention. So you're placing your energy, right? And so that's a really brilliant point. So what's the, what's the greatest place you could, you know, put your attention will be on creation. And it's a beautiful example. And I think you can do that. And as I'm saying this out loud now, I think like even a tree, 
you know, meditating on truth, that's creation, you know, and then, but also that's still external, but it's, um, you know, meditating on your own creation, on that own vitality, on the thing that, you know, keeps you alive, that, that um, beats your heart. And I was coaching the other day and was using an example of, of like how we'll receive so much and we'll just not, we'll not notice that because it's never good enough. It's like taking a kid to Disneyland, like, oh, I'd really love to go to Disneyland. And then they go to Disneyland, like, hey, we're here. And like, yeah, that's all right. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not noticing any of the things like, no, you got eyes, you got ears, you can hear, you can run, you can do it. We're not grateful for any of it. It's not good enough. You know, so you take the kid to Disneyland, not good enough. You give them the, you know, the I don't know, the waffle cone or something. That's not good enough. You take them to see Mickey Mouse. That's not good enough. You know? And so if we can get into the energy of like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, this is great. Right. Allowing that in, you know, I think I use the analogy of like, if you're going through the forest and you saw a panda or something, I like animals that are fuzzy. So I'm just using like a panda. My mother. Yeah. And, you know, this panda comes over and it's like, you can tell it's friendly and you're just like in this nature. It's like, yeah, I'll come over and he wants to give you a hug and you hug this panda. Like you would just accept that hug. You'd be like, yes, panda hug. This is so good. And you would hug it. And so if we can like take that energy to what the universe is giving us and notice it, it we can allow ourselves to receive more and also recognize that we're receiving so much more from things that we aren't quote unquote valuing right? From just existing, from things that we say are mundane and not good enough. No, it's got to be this uh, um, thing that creates endorphins. Is it endorphins? Like snowboarding and all that adrenaline yeah, and all that. That's all the feel-good chemicals. Yeah, I love those right. personally. So I guess, <laughs> those are some of my, of those are my favorite ones. But there's, there's other ones too, right? So it's not just those ones. And so if we can connect to that, it's a really beautiful point and we're focusing on that too right and it's like the uh, reticular activating system it's going to bring us more and we're going to notice more because of how the brain set up so i absolutely agree amazing points go Let ahead me say something because you yeah. just did something yeah. incredible that <laughs> okay you, you got and you're like right you got like when you're talking about the panda you got into this space that most of us were like as children yep. when we had awe and innocence and yep. wonder yep. and the world was still a wonder to behold and magic was alive and well it's getting into that space now as adults and doing these practices with that same level of innocence and awe and connecting with our source from that place that gets the most immediate and profound results so and you did it like you started going to him like that's it like that's it's connecting with that joy and you were so grateful and you just love it so much. And it's so like, this is it. Like we have the ability to feel this a lot. We have the ability to feel this predominantly. doesn't mean bypass and get rid of the other stuff. We need to feel other things because it's part of the human condition, but we can predominantly feel these elevated thoughts and emotions from inside of ourselves that we can create from inside of ourselves. Because also, like you said, it's never enough. Okay, I'm, I, I had everything in this world. And like a lot of other people who are awakening now and realizing stuff, never, it's never going to be enough. You can have all the everything in this external world and it will never be enough. You'll feel the, oh, I got it for a second and then you're on to the next. But this, when you start having into this, you feel so whole, you feel so complete, and you don't care about the pursuit of external things anymore unless they're in alignment with 
and a reflection of this internal state. And that is a whole different way of being human and of living and interacting with others from. Beautiful, man. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. I, I totally agree. And I've been using the childlike, uh, it's just been coming up more often with my coaching probably because uh, I have a, a child now and, and, uh, uh, but also like how you do. congratulations. Oh, yeah, I, I, I know that I knew it. I saw, but we haven't spoken since all that. So, yeah, so that's been wonderful. And, and they're really, they're really great examples. And so thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for writing the book. Um, where can people find it and, and order it and check it out and, and look more about your work and your writing? Cause you're doing a lot. you you have a, a website where you write a lot and you got the book yeah. out. So where do people go? Go to my web, my blog, imawakenowwhat.com. And the book's for sale on there. The Fight to Enlight is the name of the book. I have it on Amazon, but I just put it on. You can buy it directly from me as a PDF. I'm going to do a hard copy or a paperback um, launch probably by the end of this month. But right now it's online and it's 99 cents. It's And I'm going to keep it that cheap for a little while just to get it out there. And everyone's like, are you crazy? Like, get it. But I want as many people to read it as possible. And I don't want cost to be a barrier because the real message is in the medicine of people seeing that others are doing this and then applying it to themselves. So let's, I want to expedite things. I want to make things happen from this place. And that's it. So anyway, yes, I'm awake. Now what.com. I know I start channeling. <laughs> I get into it. No, I get it. It's awesome, man. I'm awake now what.com. And yeah, I do sessions. I do counseling. I do all kinds of things on there that are in alignment with everything we spoke of today, but sign up for my newsletter. The book's 99 cents and you can keep up with all my other things that I do from there. And I've got a great group on Facebook called the water consciousness movement, which is phenomenal for everybody who doesn't know about it a dear friend of mine, actually somebody you're pro you definitely will want to have on your show, Veda Austin. I'll just real quick plug her. She, you know, Amoto's work messages with water. Yeah. Yep. She has taken that to a level that nobody could even imagine and just mm -hmm. released her first book. I mean, she's having full blown communication with water. Like it's responding to her. It's next level. Like, so her and I do a podcast on that channel and people are loving it. And it's just, so I'm doing a lot, but if you go to I'm awake now, what it's kind of the hub for everything that I'm doing and a lot of other people too. It's kind of like a light worker hub, you could say for those. And we're going to be having a lot more people come onto it and do a lot of other work and great stuff on it too. So. Amazing. Well, appreciate you, man. I appreciate the podcast is definitely a joy and this, this and I always enjoy talking to you and your perspective. So um, I invite people to check out your book and when they do, when you, when you get it, leave a review because that's helpful. And I wrote a book and I know that. So take a moment to leave a review if you like it because it helps a ton. But uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you very much. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me as always. My pleasure. See you guys. Peace. See you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Seth Leif Prezanski. He is one interesting and fascinating character, a really fascinating story. You know, a lot of what he says is very mind-blowing, but I have the context either through experience or interviewing other people who say similar things. 
and you know going through prison and discovering what's possible when you commit to these practices most of us have so many distractions where it's very hard to commit to some of these things so uh really amazing i invite you guys to check out his book check out his work support him if you want to support the show please consider becoming a patron share this episode leave a review join the academy uh, do an act of kindness all of that stuff is really helpful also if you're interested in one-on-one coaching you can go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and i would be happy to work with you to help you design and achieve your goals even if you have no idea what your life purpose is um, we can take it from a to z in a matter of months and so if you're ready to commit to the work and making that decision and making that commitment reach out to me and happy to work with you so thank you guys so much for listening to this show i'm wishing you all of the best and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close it up wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, connection, courage, empowerment, ready to take on the rest of the day. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.